Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Denver Broncos. This is the Broncos Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Broncos Wire editor, John Heath. All right, welcome to the program. John, as you know, I'm a little in the dumps. You're going to have to carry us, Dad. So my guy, Julian Edelman, I'm a big Patriots guy at heart. And uh, I'm struggling right now. He's, he just posted a uh, retirement video on Twitter, John. I can't watch it. Uh, I'm a little nervous to watch it. Um, so I'm kind of crying in my cornflakes as we record this pod. So just, uh, just a disclaimer to all the great people that listen to our show every week. Uh, John, as always, you're going to be carrying the show, all right? You up, you up for the challenge? Yeah, I can do that, and I can rub a little salt in the wound, too, no, please Ryan, please for you, don't. just to make you feel even worse. I see people talking about Edelman on Twitter, like, saying he's a Hall of Famer, and I'm just like, to me, if Wes Welker is not a Hall of Famer, which I feel like most people would say he's not, Edelman's not a Hall of Famer. And people say, well, the Super Bowl is well, the postseason, and th- this is just completely conjecture, but I just feel like if they swap timelines – and Edelman played in Welker's time, and Welker played in Edelman's time. I'm pretty sure Welker would have the rings. Edelman would have the losses. It's just Welker got unlucky, and Edelman, the timing was perfect. So I'm sorry to just jab you a little bit more, but like he's an amazing receiver, great slot receiver. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, though. Just starting the podcast off on that note. Yeah, you did, you did just rub some salt in the wound. Thanks a lot, John. No, I mean, I get that take. I think if you – Edelman does have the postseason thing. I think he played in like 19 games, great stats of the postseason. I mean, he had that catch against Atlanta, that juggling catch during the greatest Super Bowl comeback ever, right? The 28-3 to thing, that juggling catch was ridiculous. And then against Seattle, when they came back from 10 down in the fourth quarter, and Edelman clearly got concussed by Cam Chancellor just bearing down and just drilling him. I don't know if you remember that. Edelman got knocked back like five yards helmet to helmet and he somehow stayed in the game he should have came out of the game like nowadays they probably would have taken him out of the game immediately yeah but he stayed in the kid just came up nails as a seventh round pick who's a quarterback a 5-11 quarterback out of Kent State that he drafted in the seventh round and turned into that kind of receiver I think you know we just we fall in love with that little story John but I get it I, I understand the take if you weight it on a curve and say the postseason's more important and you weigh that thing more heavily than the the, the regular season thing I think Edelman's got at least a case. There could be an argument made, but I feel like he's going to be one of those guys, kind of like Heinz Ward, kind of sitting on the outside waiting for the call, and it might never come. Yeah, yeah. I I get making a case for him, especially with the postseason, but I just think there's too many good receivers that are waiting around, just like you mentioned, Heinz Ward right there. And from a Broncos perspective, a guy like Rod Smith, who won some Super Bowls and had some great postseason runs as well. Like To me, there's just too many guys that, had amazing careers and fantastic numbers like you said his story is awesome what he did was so cool he's just to me not a hall of famer but we can get back to broncos talk now on the broncos yeah i was gonna say broncos fans have their own problems to worry about they don't have to worry about my problems with julian edelman 
uh, it always seems to circle back to the quarterback, John, speaking of the Broncos problems. And uh, so let's start the show here that the team apparently had trade talks with the Panthers about Teddy Bridgewater before Carolina even traded for Sam Darnold. So this is something to monitor. Maybe they're still kicking the tires on Bridgewater. Maybe they're interested in the player. We know they were also in a Deshaun Watson. So for me, I think the most interesting storyline swirling, swirling around the team going into the draft is how they really feel about Drew Locke. Or maybe, better yet, how George Payton really feels about Drew Locke. Are they willing to give him a pass on kind of an awkward year last year, right? I mean, no offseason, a lot of young guys on offense that Locke's playing with. I don't know. Are they willing to give him a pass and want to see more? And maybe they're not obsessed with the quarterback thing, but you look and they're inquiring about Bridgewater. They're all in on Watson. Like, maybe that tells us what we need to know about Drew Locke. But I think that's that's an interesting storyline. Like, how do they really feel about that player in that position? Well, I feel like there's kind of two ways to look about it because with uh, Teddy Bridgewater, before they went to the Panthers, they tried to trade for Matthew Stafford and they couldn't get it done with the Lions. They didn't want to give up what the Rams ended up giving up for him. And like, you get that. But say they had gotten Stafford, if somebody like that comes in, he's not competing with Drew Locke. They might keep Locke and hope that like he learns under Stafford in like a year or two takes over or if Stafford retires or gets hurt or whatever. Or like, say, if Deshaun Watson, before all the accusations came out, it seemed like they had real interest in him. Now that's on pause and it may never be unpaused. We'll just see how that plays out. But if if that hadn't happened and if they had brought on Watson, he's obviously not competing with Drew Locke. They're, they would probably trade Locke if they got someone like Watson. And if they got someone like Stafford, Stafford's the starter. But that's obviously not happening. And someone like uh, Teddy Bridgewater He's a completely different player than like a Stafford and a Watson. If Bridgewater comes in, he's coming in to compete with Locke. So that tells me they do want to add a quarterback, but it's not necessarily the case that they feel like we absolutely have to upgrade and replace Drew Locke this year. Like if they can, if they can get a top quarterback in the draft or if they can get like a Watson before that went down, uh, like I think they will. But I don't think they feel like uh, without – a doubt we have to have a different option than Locke in, in this season. Because I feel like there's four quarterbacks. Say they like – this is just conjecture. But just say they love Justin Fields. And if the rumors about Mac Jones are wrong and say the 49ers draft Justin Fields at number three – then maybe the Broncos are like, all right, we're not trading up for Mac Jones and maybe they don't want Trey Lance. I don't know if they do or don't. But just like as an example, if the guy they don't love – drops to like four or five, six, whatever, they may not necessarily trade up. And then it it could be, all right, we're going to go with Locke in 2021. If he makes a big jump, that's awesome. Then we'll stick with him. If he doesn't, then we'll just go back to this next year. We'll go draft a quarterback next year or trade for whatever. So I do think they're looking to bring, bring in a QB, but I think just the different kind of QBs they're looking at shows me that it's not clear cut and dry lock out somebody else in like some of these guys like Bridgewater if they did get Bridgewater that's competition for lock that's not necessarily an exact replacement and touching on Bridgewater he has like a 22.9 million cap hit this year almost 23 million and I I'm guessing I, I don't know I'm just guessing that that is what the big trade holdup is for him if the Panthers get him to like restructure then I bet the Broncos would come back. Or if the Panthers made an agreement with the team to trade him with the understanding that he would restructure with his new team, then a trade could happen then. 
But I feel like Bridgewater, he's he has to sign off on something like that. And right now, he doesn't have any obligation to do that. Because if, say, the Panthers don't draft a quarterback, he might still be their uh, backup this year behind Sam Darnold. And would you rather get $23 million as a backup or, like, take a massive pay cut and go compete with Drew Locke? Like, different people view it different ways. I, I don't know. But I'm just saying – Someone like uh, Bridgewater, if his salary goes down, they may come back to the table. So he's somebody to watch for. But I'm not so certain that he may not just end up staying with the Panthers this year. So we'll keep an eye on that. No, I I get what you're saying completely. So in the hypothetical that a a Bridgewater or a Bridgewater type, like a guy that's been around a veteran. Yeah, like a Nick Foles or someone like that. And that's a good comp because I was just going to say it's kind of like the Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles thing last year with Chicago, right? They brought him in. And that was a, a real quarterback competition going into in, going into the season last year. And now yeah. maybe the Broncos are looking for that thing with Drew Locke. And that, it just makes you think, is is that fair for a quarterback that's really, he's really in his second year? Like, is that fair for them to be doing that? I don't know. That's, that's an interesting question. Like, does Drew Locke deserve that or does he deserve the benefit of the doubt to Oh, no. I don't think he deserves the benefit of the doubt because last year he had the benefit of the doubt. There was no competition for him last summer. He was the guy, and it just wasn't good enough. Like, that doesn't guarantee he can't get better, but I don't think he's proven anything to not deserve to have any competition brought in. Well, in case we want to sweeten this thing up a little bit more. So, uh, speaking of the Broncos at number nine, I was looking on my uh, app that has all the sports betting, John. Now, I've never really gotten into betting during the NFL draft, but apparently this is a big, th- a big deal. And now that you can bet on your cell phone on the app, it's a really big deal. It's really easy to do. And there's all kinds of prop bets out there about the draft. So, they have bets on every pick from one to 10, separate picks that you can do, and odds on the players that will be available. And I thought this was kind of fun. So number nine overall, you got to remember, this is not necessarily Broncos. This is just number nine overall. So they're saying this is the player most likely to go at number nine, which means there could be a trade. Either the the Broncos could trade up or back in this scenario. This is the player they that Vegas or not Vegas, but the sports book has projected to fall to number nine and go number nine overall. The favorite, Justin Fields, plus two, two, five. Justin Fields at number nine. That tells me a few things. Number one, nobody really knows what players go in number nine, right? I think we all kind of have Justin Fields going a little sooner than that. But this is at least telling me that Justin Fields, there's a decent chance he could be on the board for the Broncos at number nine. And then whether you're into Bridgewater or whether you love Drew Locke or not and his potential, like if Justin Fields is sitting on the board and you have your choice between Fields and the top corner and one of the top edge rushers, Micah Parsons, like... Oh my God, what a spot that would be for the Broncos. But could you imagine, John, if Justin Fields was sitting there on the board at number nine? Like, I know you'd be, you'd probably be one of the most excited people I know. I, I would love that. I just can't picture it happening at all. I, I cannot imagine Fields falling to nine. Uh, like, say he gets to even seven or something. Why, why would nobody trade up and go get him? Like, I think he might be a top four pick. If, if he falls to nine, I would be very happy. And I assume that the Broncos, no questions asked, would pick him. It's just hard for me to imagine that happening. But we'll see how it goes. It seems like his stock in the last few weeks has kind of been dropping. And I don't know if it's like a media perception or if it's how the teams actually perceive him and it's leaking out to the media. Because there was a time when some people, like before Trevor Lawrence, like some people were thinking he could be the top quarterback. And then after Trevor Lawrence, a lot of people said he was the number two quarterback. And then 
uh, Zach Wilson kind of surpassed him. And then he was the number three quarterback. And now supposedly the 49ers might be eyeing Mac Jones at number three. So then it's like, okay, he's the number four quarterback, but then some people like uh, Trey Lance even more than him. So I suppose it's possible if those other four guys go four that fields could tumble down to nine. I, I just think if he gets out of the top five, I just think somebody's going to move up for him. Maybe even the Broncos would move up for him. So I, I don't want to give betting advice to people <laughs> and give them bad advice. But for me, I don't think I would take the bet on him at nine. To me, I just don't see that happening. I'll take any betting advice I can get, John. Just feed that habit, feed that need, that itch. Got to scratch that thing. Uh, okay, so after Fields at plus 225, here's what my app has as the most likely guys to go number nine. Next up is three guys with the same odds at plus 400. Patrick Sertan, the uh, the stud corner. A lot of people think he's the top corner on the board. Uh, Rashawn Slater, one of the top offensive linemen, I think top two on the board. And then Trey Lance, Micah Parsons, those guys are at plus 400. Micah Parsons at plus 450. And then Mac Jones and J.C. Horn, another corner, at plus 600. So those are the guys. Those are seven names at number nine. And uh, some maybe more far-fetched like Fields, right? Even Trey Lance, kind of far-fetched. But guys like Sertan, Rashawn Slater, Micah Parsons, those guys could definitely be there. So I think the big thing is, John, we just got to figure out, are the Broncos going to go quarterback or non-quarterback right that's the question that we're going to be trying to answer for the next two weeks i think if like i kind of alluded to earlier if one of their guys like just for example say justin fields is their target if he starts falling down and love him i think they'll move up or for some crazy reason if he falls to nine and they really like him i think they'll pick him but if they if they don't think it's worth the draft capital or if like fields goes number three and they don't want mac jones or like trey lance I think they can just stay at nine and pick someone like a Patrick Sertan, who's a really good corner, and just go with Drew Locke. And then if it works out, great. If a Dunson will readdress quarterback next year, bring in competition this offseason. Or they could trade down. To, to me, trading down is a very attractive option. We kind of talked about it. You mentioned it last week on the podcast, like Micah Parsons. He's a very good linebacker, but I would kind of rather trade down because there's other really good linebackers that you can get towards the bottom of the first round or even maybe in the second round, like pick number 40 in the second round, I think they could still get like, there's three linebackers that I think you you're going to make your defense a whole lot better. And at least two of them, I think will be available mid to mid to late first round. And even Parsons, like there's a possibility that he could fall into the middle of the first round. So they could even trade down and perhaps even land with him. So unless they go for quarterback, which is very possible, another option, if they do trade down, Caleb Farley, at one point, some people had him as the number one corner, and then he had back surgery. So that's a little bit of a concern. But if he is healthy and if they can trade down and get a bunch of future picks and end up with Caleb Farley like towards the end of the first round and he stays healthy and you get somebody that was once considered the top corner in the draft, to me, that's like a really attractive idea because you're adding future first round pick future second round pick or maybe a second round pick this year whatever the case may be i I just kind of like the idea of trading down but if they stay at nine and like kyle pitts falls to them or the oregon offensive tackle falls to them like if somebody really good is there you take them at nine but otherwise i think trading down is a good idea assuming that they don't move up for a QB. it's crazy really nobody has any idea george payton has done such a good job keeping their secrets. I feel like when John Elway was the GM, 
stuff kind of got out and it was kind of easier to predict what the Broncos were going to do this year. People are like, okay, the NFL network, uh, Ian Rappaport, he's, he named the Broncos and the Patriots as two of the top candidates to trade up for a QB. And then Peter King of pro football talk, he said the Broncos might uh, trade down if they get offer a bunch of draft picks. And then obviously they, they put like literally everything's on the table for them. I don't think, anybody really knows outside the building what they're going to do. So it just adds a lot more intrigue to an already intriguing process. No, it does. Yeah. I think those odds tell us everything. It's they're all over the place. You're right. There's so many players kind of close together. Uh, That's a tough one. Number nine, what's going to happen? Maybe they'll trade back with the Patriots. That would help. Maybe they would help. I'd be fine with that. That would, that would ease my pain a little bit, John. Patriots move up and draft Trey Lance. Say Trey Lance falls down. Patriots get him grooming behind Cam Newton. Patriots send 10 first round picks to the Broncos. That sounds fair to me. DC, I knew John would try to cheer me up during the show. I appreciate it, my (laughs) man. I needed that. Uh, All right. Coming up next, the Broncos made a move. Maybe not a huge move, but a move that I think John likes. He'll talk about that. And also some draft needs. We'll reset those coming up next. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, John, so the Broncos adding a defensive lineman, Shamar Steven. He's a guy that you said you like the move. What do you what do you like about this signing for the Broncos? Yeah, I like it because he's not like a phenomenal player, but he has 65 career starts. The last two years, he was a starter with the Vikings, obviously with George Payton. And the year before that, he was a starter with the Seahawks. And I really like it because uh, to me, past few weeks, I've been thinking, okay, going into the draft, at some point the Broncos should draft a nose tackle because they've got in my mind two good backup defensive ends but they didn't really have depth behind Mike Purcell and I feel like you want to have a good backup defensive lineman at every spot so you can kind of rotate the three guys and keep them fresh and when you can get a guy that even if he wants in like a superstar like he wants an amazing pass rusher he had like four and a half sacks in his career but he's a good run stuffer he's good plugging up the middle and like i said he's got plenty of experience so when you can get a real experienced guy and just a guy that's been a starter in the nfl and for you he's just a backup anytime you can do that i feel like that's really nice and i love that it shored up in my mind a position of need going into the draft now to me they don't have to draft a defensive lineman at all because i think they got six good solid defensive linemen and i think they're going to carry six defensive lineman on the 53-man roster. So they might draft a defensive lineman with like the idea of putting him on the practice squad or something like draft him late, but they certainly don't have to. So I really like that they short up, to me, a position of need with a guy that's plenty of ex- excuse me. They short up a position of need with a guy that has plenty of experience and always going to be his rotational guy. So I just think that's a real solid move. And he was cheap contract too. It's like one year, two million. His cap hits a little under two million. So I just think it was a solid addition. We'll see teams doing this, right? Like adding veteran guys that maybe made it through the first and second waves of free agency that are still out there. And then that can kind of signal what they're going to do in the draft a little bit. Like I think defensive line kind of slides off the draft need board. Uh, but there's still a lot of positions out there, John, that they, they could target and go for. Let me ask you maybe on the depth chart piece. Like when you think about where Denver is right now is in terms of their depth chart going into draft day, 
What sticks out the most to you? Yeah, I could just run down my projected depth chart real quick. At QB, you got Drew Locke. We've obviously talked about it. They might go for someone like a Justin Fields and try to replace him as a starter, or they might bring in a competition, someone like a Teddy Bridgewater. So QB, it's definitely on the draft board in my mind. And then running back, you got Melvin Gordon. And right now it looks like Mike Boone and Royce Freeman are competing for number two. To me, because Gordon's a free agent next year, I definitely think running backs on the draft board. I think they're going to target that position. And if I, I wouldn't love to draft one in the end of the first round if like they traded down. But if they drafted one in like the second round at like pick number 40, I wouldn't mind that at all. Like especially with Gordon, he's probably not being resigned next year. So running back, that's a position. Fullback, they're fine with Andrew Beck there. And then the offensive line, you got Garrett Bowles, Dalton Reisner, Lloyd Cushenberry, Graham Glasgow, and Juwan James. People aren't happy with Juwan James because of his unavailability. But when he's healthy, he is a solid tackle. So I think James is starting this year, but I definitely think they will draft an offensive tackle to kind of groom behind uh, James. And then they got a good uh, backup guard in Mutai. They drafted him last year. But I think they could use another like guard center, so interior O-line. It might be a position to watch, but I think without a doubt, offensive tackle is a position that's on the draft board. So you got running back, you got offensive tackle, you got running back. And then at wide receiver, they're pretty much set with Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, and KJ Hamler. Like they might draft somebody with the idea of like getting some help on special teams, but they certainly don't have to draft at wide receiver tight end. They don't really have a blocking tight end because Nick Vanette was supposed to be that guy. And last year, he didn't really work out. This offseason, they cut him. So it, it might sound surprising to Broncos fans, but I think they could add a blocking tight end. Like It's not a it's not a glaring need. It would probably be later in the draft. It might even be like sign a couple undrafted free agents and made the best blocker win kind of a thing. But I think tight ends on the board. And then when you move to the defensive side of the ball, uh, like I mentioned, the defensive line to me is set. you got Shelby Harris, Mike Purcell, and Draymond Jones. Those are the three starters in my mind. And then, as we mentioned, Steven, he's going to be a backup. Deshaun Williams, he started a bunch of games. And then, again, just like Steven, when you have a guy that has a bunch of starting experience and he's rotation depth, I just feel like that's really nice to have. And then McTelvin, again, they drafted him last year, and he didn't really play that much, but I think they're still high on him. So I think he will be part of the defensive line rotation. And then outside linebacker, Von Miller, right now, he's set to become a free agent next year, and they lost Jeremiah Tachu. He was one of their back one of their top backup outside linebackers, he left in free agency this year. So outside linebacker, I think, is a position that they could target as well. And then corner, they've got really good depth for 2021 because they got Kyle Fuller, Ronald Darby, Bryce Callahan, Michael O.J. Moody, and Essing Bassey. Like, that's a solid lineup of cornerbacks. But next year, Fuller and Callahan, they're both going to be 30-year-old free agents. So I think at some point, corner is going to be a target in the draft, maybe even the first round like we talked about. Like, if Patrick Sertan is there at number nine. That's someone that they might consider. Inside linebacker, Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell, if they have to start again this year, I think they would be okay with starting those guys. But I think they would prefer to upgrade inside linebacker, get at least one new starter, and they're probably replacing Josie Jewell. And then safety, Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson, they're starting but Jackson's going to be an aging free agent next spring. So I think it would be really ideal to draft a safety, kind of groom him behind Jackson this year and then have him take over next year, kind of like offensive tackle with James. Sorry, that was a lot of roster it's rundown. But if, to if recap, people aren't ready for the draft now, John, I don't know. I don't know how they will. So go on, please. Yeah, yeah summarize. Just to recap the needs, 
QB obviously is one linebackers, one offensive tackle, running back, safety, cornerback, outside linebacker and tight end. And like outside linebacker doesn't have to be a huge priority because of Miller and Chubb tight end, obviously not a huge priority. So people don't have to yell at me on Twitter and say, we're not replacing Von Miller, no offense. Like that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying later in the draft, maybe not later in the draft for outside linebacker, but at some point I think they want to add depth. But to me, the big ones to watch are quarterback, linebacker, and offensive tackle. I told you John Heath would carry the show. I knew you'd come through, John. You, you always do. Yeah, thank you. I do what I can. Bash Julian Edelman. Praise Wes Welker. Put more Broncos in the Hall of Fame. Thanks, y'all, for listening. We'll be back with more next week. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.